If a racist bully picked you out of a crowd and decided that he wanted to whoop your butt, what would you do? Would you run? Would you stay in your ground? Would you try to take a smaller kid and throw him in front of you? Who knows? But I will tell you this. Today's guest, Jonathan, he had the courage and he stood up to that bully. And what he didn't realize was in that moment that other kids would see him as a leader. And as he grew up, they would come to him to handle the heavy situations to do the heavy lifting. I'm excited to unpack that story and really focus on black male educators throughout today's episode. Hey, it's Daniel, and welcome to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, a show for ruckus makers, those out-of-the-box leaders making change happen in education. And we'll be right back after these messages from our show sponsors. Transform how you lead to become a resilient and empowered change agent with Harvard's Certificate in School Management and Leadership. Learn from Harvard Business and Education School faculty while you collaborate with a global network of fellow school leaders. Apply today at hgse.me forward slash leader. That's hgse.me forward slash leader. Hey, hey, ruckus maker. My friends over at SMART have developed a research-backed tool that will show you not only your strengths and weaknesses, but where you should strategically focus your energy in order to drive better results for your students. This tool is called the EdTech Assessment Tool, and you can take it at smarttech.com forward slash profile. Take the EdTech Assessment Tool at smarttech.com forward slash profile. All students have an opportunity to succeed with Organized Binder who equips educators with a resource to provide stable and consistent learning, whether that's in a distance, hybrid, or traditional educational setting. Learn more at OrganizedBinder.com. Hey, Ruckus Maker. Today, I'm joined by Jonathan C.W. Jones, a seasoned award-winning educator and founder of Ideation4. Working with educators, schools, districts, nonprofit professionals, and under-resourced communities through grant workshops, coaching, consulting, and innovation. Currently, he's working on a philanthropic innovation called Uplift, dedicated to celebrating Black male educators in the USA. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. So in 19, you realize you're a leader, Jonathan. I love uh, that story you shared with me already. And you're on campus, you start to combat racial unrest. Can you explain how you were a catalyst for change on campus? Um, Yeah, so um, in 1993, um, very similar to uh, times that are going on right now, there was a lot of racial unrest in the country. For example, um, in 1993, um, there's the beating of Rodney King, California. And um, and in Minnesota, um, there's a lot lot of racial unrest in in my high school. And I had experienced some racial episodes earlier on in my in my in junior high and where I basically stood up to a racist bully. I got beat up in a locker room and my peers who were around me at the time, long story short, kind of turned their backs literally and and physically um, in the situation. And I stood my ground um, and stood up to a bully, even though I got beat up. And because of that, I think that kind of set me up as kind of a a conduit between my peers and the administration um, when I moved on into high school. 
So I had the same, the same peers I had in high school were the peers that experienced that racial episode that I experienced early on in, in sixth grade. Um, and given that, there were a lot of episodes that happened in our, in our school. So a lot of times my peers actually came to me and said, what should I do? Such and such happened. Somebody wrote uh, nigger on, the, on my locker. What do I do? I'm mad. I'm angry. And just the whole, what do I do and how do I process this situation um, was really kind of the conversation between myself and my peers. Um, and at that point, I would be usually kind of the, the, the student who informed the admin that these episodes happened. And after experiencing several episodes, I decided myself and a few of my friends decided to create an organization, an after-school organization, a club. Um, it's called the Roseville, Area, uh, Roseville Ethnic Alliance. And the whole purpose of the club was for us to come together, to be in a safe place, and to explore our own ethnic identities, um, our backgrounds, and to share that with each other, to go and, and go on field trips with each other to different um, centers to learn about different cultures. And from that experience with my peers, um, came up with an idea to have a cultural diversity day. So at the age of 19, um, and actually at the age of 18, just prior to my 19th birthday, birthday, I wrote my first proposal. um, And it was basically a proposal that I had to uh, present verbally and also in writing to the the teachers of my school. Um, And I was asking them to suspend curriculum for one school day for the purpose of celebrating um, and focusing on the many diverse cultures that were in our school. And I immediately got the sign off from the principal and the principal said, okay, you have to come to the all staff meeting and present this. So, you know, it was significant for me um, because I was the type of student that did just enough to get by. I was a CD student. I wasn't an A, B student. I did just enough to get by. But yet on the flip side, I was also a student who <laughs> wrote this proposal and then presented it to, you know, the, the teachers. It was, was very scary, to be quite honest. Um, but despite the fear, I was more focused on wanting to make this idea come to life. So if I'm, I'm hearing the story correctly, uh, for standing up for yourself, standing up for what was right at a very young age in sixth grade, this leadership was uh, thrust upon you. Your peers saw you as... Uh, the spokesperson, the person to go to, because you demonstrated great courage in that moment. And that led to uh, other opportunities to sort of flex those leadership muscles, culminating with this great um, day that you set up, that the proposal was accepted. And then you're leading, you're leading it, right? Uh, And like you said, a, a CD student just getting by facilitating and organizing a, a high level school wide event, which is pretty amazing. And you told me too, uh, when the principal showed up that day, uh, I don't know, I thought it was kind of funny, but you know, what, what was he like when he showed up to the doors? He, he came and looked at you, Jonathan. What'd he say? <laughs> yeah, he did. Um, so the day of we had our, uh, the library became the, the, the central, fo- the focal point of the day and the check-in space for everybody, for the community, um, in, uh, the community who was coming in to do uh, workshops, to the volunteers, to the parents, to the students who were helping run uh, different sessions. And so I'm in the library and early, I don't remember how early I got there, but I was, you know, first, I was the first person in the door pretty much. Um, and a couple hours, about an hour later, the principal came into the library and literally asked me, where am I supposed to be? And without hesitation, I knew exactly where he was supposed to be. It's supposed to be in a room such and such. 
teacher so-and-so is going to be with you um, in a few minutes and your session is going to run this this long. He said, OK, thank you. And he walked out. And at that moment, it was it was kind of it was very surreal um, because I knew I literally was the principal for the school day. Yeah, right. That's beautiful. Jonathan, let's let's talk to the ruckus maker listening who is is leading a school. You had this leadership mantle put on you. You were already, you know, involved, I think, with the admin. It sounds like you proposed the event. How can a school leader listening right now be proactive to maybe even uh, un- uncover or discover the Jonathan that exists within their community, um, but might not be as proactive to you as you have been? Sorry. That's that's a great question. Um, I think the first part that you put in there is being receptive and knowing that you know, you have students in your midst that may want to, that may want and have the skill set to aspire to want to be a leader in, in some capacity in the school. And really kind of looking for um, having an open eye, eye for wanting to find kind of diamonds in the rough, if you will, or students who kind of fly under the radar. Because I think sometimes the students that fly under the radar have, I think, a little bit, may have some, have more to offer than what they're what they're what they are necessarily showing. Um, so I think uh, openness to see students outside of their grade that they may currently have or consistently showing, and see them more as a whole student. That yes, their grade is a part of who is a reflection to some extent of who they are, but it's not who they are completely. So being receptive to that and being open to really trying to connect, um, that's the other piece is really trying to be uh, be receptive and also wanting to connect with students. Um, I think that's, I think that's a big, to me as an educator, um, I think that is probably the most important thing is a leader who wants to connect with the students that he's working in and and providing a service to. Mm -hmm. Do you have any creative ideas around what what that connection might look like? Uh, I'm not trying to make it more difficult or um, make it too simple too, but just, uh, you know, just a practical idea for a ruckus maker to to do and, and take action on. A practical idea would be, I would say, being one, being genuine and being authentic. I think that's huge. That, that, and what I mean by that is, is being just being yourself and being open and honest and sometimes being a little vulnerable sometimes, especially on a high school level um, with students and saying and showing that you are, yes, you may be a principal, you are a leader, an admin, but you're also a person um, that has experienced lots of things and sharing some of those experiences and some of those, it allows you to be a little bit more vulnerable and helps humanize you as a leader. And when students see that, they may be apt to do more of the same and also share more of themselves with you. That's perfect. Thank you for the practical advice. So one of your superpowers, Jonathan, like mine, turning ideas into reality. And that's that's a, a role, you know, a ruckus maker, not Probably a listener of this show knows that. But when you become a principal, right, it's not necessarily on the job description. You need to turn ideas into reality. But riff a little bit on how you do this, right? What works for you? For me, I am. Uh, you have to be aware of, of who you are as an individual and how, how do you learn? You have to have an understanding of what is your metacognition and how do you think? You have to have an idea how you process. And for me, I know that I'm a visual learner. So the first step for me always, for the most part, is I'm usually doodling and drawing stuff, drawing out ideas, drawing maps, connecting stuff. I need to see it visually 
first or kind of sketch it out and then kind of add the details to it, if that makes sense. So for me, as a visual learner, I, I rely heavily on creating something visual to help me mold the, the purpose of what it may be, the additional details. Oh, yeah. This, so it's very much to me like Legos. My son is a Lego builder. I'm a Lego builder. I love building uh, building things with Legos because there's something about you taking those pieces and putting them together visually and saying, yep, this could go here. So having that, I'm kind of going off on a little tangent a little bit, so I apologize. But that Lego piece is very, very relative to who I am as a learner. So knowing who you are as a learner, what's your learning style and how are you developing? How do you develop your own ideas? And if you don't know how you develop your own ideas, that's something to look into as a leader. Thanks for that, Jonathan. I'd like to switch gears a bit and start talking about the Black male educator experience. And and can you share some of the hurdles that Black male educators face within the system of school? I'll share one that I'll I'll start with this one, Um, the idea that I can. And on the flip side of that, the idea that I can't or I'm stupid. Um, and I'm starting there because for me, that's kind of an underlying one of part, it connects to part, some of my why and what and why I do the work I do. I grew up as a kid thinking I was not smart and feeling I was not smart. And at the same time, I had this thought in my head, but wait a minute, I know I'm smart. So I had these dueling ideas in my, in my mind that, wait, I think I'm I'm smart. I might be smart, but at the same time, I may have a feeling that I'm dumb. So how do you rectify that? How does a kid rectify that? And I start with that first because that's key. I think that's one thing that a lot of kids, particularly students of color, are faced with. And it's not just students of color either, but I think that's something, a a commonality across a lot of students is that a kid is not going to, a student is not going to come up to you and tell you that I feel dumb. Right. If they do, if they do, it's because they trust you and they have a connection with you. But nine times out of 10, you're not going to know that. That's that's those things that that those un those non-visual things um, behind the scenes with the student's development. And uh, can you rephrase, rephrase the question again? Because Yeah, for sure. And I appreciate you talking a bit about the, the student experience. And, and, you know, sometimes it's called the imposter syndrome. But I think what you're mentioning is specific to to the black experience i'm curious as well if if there's things happening from a systemic level where the dueling you know that that feeds that dueling identity maybe we can go there i know the question i was asking it wasn't that but that that i'm interested in that so yeah from a school systems level was there any anything you were receiving that made you have these dueling identities I think coming into the coming into the system, like my first year, I don't think I had to deal with a lot a lot of, of some of the negative system pieces. Um, and I, I know when I came into a couple a couple of school districts, one of the pieces that I know that I dealt with personally was feeling isolated. At first, I came into a into a, a school district, and I felt it was great. I found out that I was the first black, you know licensed teacher in this program, blah, blah, blah. And that at first that feels great. All right, I'm the first. Great. But then as time goes on, it's wait, wait a second, where where's everybody else? Where are the other black male educators like me? I'm not the only one. And then dealing with that whole tokenism idea um, and the fact that, oh well we've hired we've hired Jonathan and you know he he we we we're we're meeting our cultural diversity uh, initiative because we've hired one black male educator. So dealing with some of those nuances and a lot of some of those nuances that stem off from that is 
you know, being questioned as a, as a black male educator. When I came into the field, I didn't tell people that I had a master's degree. When I came in, when I started my first year teaching, I already had a master's degree because I got my graduate, I got my undergrad, and then I got, I went and got my master's degree, but I didn't, I didn't tell people that I just didn't um, because I didn't feel I needed to um, because I knew that I was passionate and I knew that I was smart enough to do do the job. And I had the training to be able to do the job, but coming into the field, one of the things kind of, you know, being going through that whole experience of being a a token black staff um, at a couple school districts really was challenging. I mean, it was, it was challenging because the, you know, Oh, you get some of those, those questions from the other staff members. Oh, so what school did you go to and blah, 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 blah. And, and do you have a license? You know, so it's just some of the the questions that I, that I I went through, those things were, were hard. Those were, those were hard. Cause I'm I'm saying, okay, I'm not asking you about your credentials. Yeah. I'm not asking you about your background. So it's like the first thing is like, okay, they, do they think I'm dumb? I mean, you know, so it goes back to that whole idea of am I dumb and then resurfacing and coming, going through and thinking, you know, you know, am I dumb? No, wait a minute. I know I'm not because I've already gone through that and resolved that in my life. But the fact that you're getting some of these questions about your background and your training can bring up some of those those experiences that I had. Um, and I know I'm talking a lot about just me, but I do think that some of the things that I have gone through um, is some of the things that just in general, black male and um, black teachers in general go through, especially if they are the only the only one in a, a school building or a school district. You know, people questioning their credentials, questioning their background. Um, I mean, in, in essence, it boils down to I mean, to me, it's like someone asking you, are you smart enough to be here? Are you why are you here? Yeah. What they're saying is you're not qualified. Why are you here? So right. I appreciate you sharing your uh educator experience you know you talked about the student experience and then as an adult as an educator it's important to hear uh because the ruckus maker listening you know i hope i hope they have enough awareness that they see these things and can and do something about it you know my my wife is zimbabwean and um one question i never get when when i travel or whatever where are you from i don't people don't ask that right sure when i was living overseas they wanted to know where because they they could hear the accent okay but in the U.S., nobody asks me where I'm from. That just never comes up. But for her, it's asked all the time, right? Because underneath it, it's, do you belong here, right? Like, right. why are you here? And the question that I definitely never get, that she always gets, so where are you from? And she'll answer that. No, where, where are you really from, right? right? <laughs> like, okay, so th- this is just crazy. So I- I'm glad we talked about it a bit because, uh, you know, hopefully people just, um, like I said, grow in their awareness and understand some of the stuff that that you just don't experience, you know, as a, a white educator. And I appreciate you sharing your, your story. So, John, then we're going to pause here just for a second for a message from our sponsors. When we get back two things, we really need to discuss uh, what's been helpful in your experience in terms of the systems and organization to combat some of these uh, uh, racist, you know, undertones. And then we, we got to d- dig into the uplift publication. So that's up next. Transform how you lead to become a resilient and empowered change agent with Harvard's online certificate in school management and leadership. Grow your professional network with a global cohort of fellow school leaders as you collaborate in case studies, bridging the fields of education and business. Apply today at hgse.me forward slash leader. 
That's hgse.me forward slash leader. Smart has an incredible research-backed tool that allows you as a leader to self-assess your capabilities at the school level or broader to help you with planning and prioritizing. Discover your strengths and best area of focus across five different modules, including leadership and remote learning. The tool inspires collaboration with your colleagues and provides massive value whether you complete one or all five of the modules. You'll get a personalized report that shows where you stack up against other ruckus makers and map some areas of focus that will have the greatest impact for you. Take 10 minutes and get started with this EdTech assessment tool today. I suggest beginning with the strategic leadership module. Check it out at smarttech.com forward slash profile. That's smarttech.com forward slash profile. Today's show is brought to you by Organized Binder. Organized Binder develops the skills and habits all students need for success. During these uncertain times of distance learning and hybrid education settings, Organized Binder equips educators with a resource to provide stable and consistent learning routines so that all students have an opportunity to succeed, whether at home or in the classroom. Learn more at OrganizedBinder.com. All right, and we're back with Jonathan C.W. Jones, the founder of Ideation4. And we were just unpacking a bit uh, some of his uh, student experience and then experience as an educator, a crazy question that somebody like Jonathan would get, you know, are you credentialed? Where did you go to school? Which is just bonkers. So those are, that's a negative example, right? I hope that you've experienced some positive examples too. And what have been some things that a school system or organization has done that, that's been helpful for you as a black male educator? I can, a perfect example would be um, a few years ago, I decided that I wanted to go and go after my principal's K-12 uh, license. And I was like, okay, I'm ready to be, I'm ready to be a principal. And prior, just prior to that decision, I had the opportunity. Um, I had a supervisor at, at, a, at a district who provided me the opportunity, pulled me off to the side one day. And we were kind of talking about the development of, of the program, the school programming and elements that he needed to address as a principal and some gap areas that he needed some help with. Um, so he pulled me off and asked me the question, he goes, you know, have you thought about school leadership? And my immediate response was yes. Um, I definitely uh, plan to, you know, enroll in a program and get my license and continue moving up this, the trajectory in education. Um, so he pulled me off to the side and asked me what was, you know, what were some of my interests. And he provided me the opportunity. He said, well, I want you to consider um, being, you know, one of our, our leads for the program. I need help in a, 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 a few different things. Um, I was in a building that had actually three different programs in the building. And he lost one of his leads in one of the programs. And it was on the start of the school year um, when he lost uh, this individual. And he said, I need somebody to help with the scheduling. Before, you know, not no going, not even being in an admin program, I had no idea that scheduling was going to be one of those components that I hit on in my admin classes. Um, but so he provided me the opportunity to lead in that capacity for that particular program. So um, one, he, that individual was uh, receptive to the fact that I wanted to continue my growth as an educational leader. Um, and then also it pulled, just pulled me off to the side and just had a, that, that, you know, that kind of intimate question, that uh, conversation about, you know, what is your aspirations? Are you, do you want to stay in the classroom or are you looking at doing some administrative work? And so he provided that opportunity. So I would say opportunity to lead and opportunity to lead with, I guess, with, with meaning, not just, not just 
a title, just what are the tasks? What are the, what's the jobs that you want me to do? He wanted me to specifically look at some of the scheduling pieces for um, some of the, the students and how that program was running their schedule, how they were scheduling their, their educational assistance and really looking at the program. Does it make sense for both the students and the staff, the schedule? Because he had questions about it. And so we made some modifications and made some changes with that. Um, that was a small, I mean, that's a small example, but it's also, it's actually a, a big example because he came to me to ask and he didn't ask anybody else. That's one example that comes to mind. Yeah, I like that one too, because the leader is taking an interest in you. Where do you want to go? And what experiences do you want to have? How can I support that? And in the mastermind, uh, I'm reading ahead of the, the community so that uh, I can vet books and make sure we have high quality materials within within it. And so I'm reading the radical, uh, the book called Radical Candor right now. So we'll, we'll link that up for listeners in the show notes. But I, I can't suggest that you pick it up highly enough. It's a great, great book. It's about just what it sounds like, you know, how to communicate uh, in an honest, transparent way, right? And, and uh, it also talks about the importance of really understanding the dreams and the goals and the motivations of your people. You know, so that's that's something you spoke to there. So appreciate you sharing that. Well, Uplift Publication, that's that's something that you're doing these days and how we got connected as well. So tell the ruckus maker listening what Uplift Publication is all about. Uplift. Um, I'm going to pull it out here. And if you don't mind, I'm going to read actually the mission um, to be clear, then kind of then go and then expand a little bit. Yeah, please do. So the mission Uplift is dedicated to celebrating black male educators across the USA for us, by us, combining vivid visuals and reflections and combating oppressive experiences through its innovative affinity movement. So uh, a few years ago, I had I, I had the idea of, you know, thinking about how do we celebrate specifically black male educators? Because um, several years ago, um, I've always been interested in knowing more about the recruitment and retention of black male educators in the field of education, partly because I am a black male educator, but also because we have significantly low numbers. In the country, we have about 2% of all educators are black male educators, which is, it, that's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. And I've always wanted to be a part of something a little bit larger than myself, a movement, if you will, that helps to try to kind of really examine that and do something about trying to increase those numbers. Um, because I can't remember what, what article I read. It was about a year ago. An article came out um, in the news about, you know, the significance of having a black male educator specifically um, in the classrooms and how students of color um, in particular benefit from that and um, the, how the, their achievement improves just by having that experience with a black male educator. And in addition to that, the simple fact that kids in general from any culture would benefit from having a black male educator for a host of reasons. Um, so given that, I wanted to do something that that really kind of celebrated and uplifted some of the work of individuals that I knew about in the country who were doing, doing amazing things. And I wanted to create a circle, if you will, that I could be part of to help uplift and also learn from. So our inaugural issue came out this past fall in uh, September. And it highlights 40 black male educators from across the country. We have individuals like uh, Dr. Travis Bristol, who is the leading researcher in um, recruitment um, and retention of black male educators in the country. Um, It has individuals 
who are educational assistants, who are um, novice teachers, who are seasoned teachers. We have principals, we have assistant principals, we have a superintendent of of schools, um, and we also have some higher ed um, individuals because I wanted to include them as well because I didn't want to exclude them because I feel that they're part of that continuum of learning that need to be included um, and, and celebrated. So given that, I came up with a design for the publication and basically each of the, each, it has a brief little bio and a, and a high quality photo of the individual, kind of telling them a little bit about their background, um, kind of like a, a resume, if you will. But also the other piece that um, is in there is some reflections on their experience as a black male growing up in the field in, in in the field of education and also a black male working in the field of education. So so there's some reflective questions that they responded to that's also included in the publication. And we're looking, uh, we're already geared up um, to, um, we're actually doing promotion now to um, encourage folks to apply. Um, when I did the first edition, it took me a couple months to put it together. I decided to give myself a full year of planning because um, we're using a cohort model. And what I mean by that is that not only will these uh, uh, the folks that are selected for the next edition be in the publication, but I also want to create a sense of kind of a, a community. And so I decided I wanted to continue doing some um, sessions with the cohort. For example, um, the first cohort had an a, a, a opportunity to, to um, have a virtual session with uh, Principal Kafele, who is an author, a well-renowned, well-respected Black male educator and leader. And we, had a, we asked him if he would come on and share some uplifting message for 15 minutes. He gave us an hour and 30 minutes of his time. And it was right after George Floyd was killed and so people's, you know, people were really were, were depressed and frustrated and angry still and still processing that whole that whole experience. So to have him come on and provide some words of wisdom and encouragement was 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 priceless. And so I want to continue that in the next coming publications is not only having this publication to highlight their work, but also convene together on issues that are important to us. Yeah. So when you're talking about the cohort and the application, that's for some of the creative minds that will create content for the publication. And and what I'm hearing is there's some uh, development components and, and, you know, you're definitely helping people get to the next level as well as being a part of that cohort. And anything you want to uh, mention in terms of fundraising before we get to the last two questions? Oh, yeah. Um, Probably in the new year, uh, we'll be doing kicking off our fundraising uh, campaign, which will help with the next edition of the publication with some of the the editing um, and some of the behind the scenes stuff. Um, So we'll be doing a fundraiser that will start um, well, people will be able to go online to ideation4.com and be able to um, donate towards the cause. And uh, what I haven't shared, um, uh, an important piece is that in addition to doing the fundraising, we also will be taking a, a, a portion of the proceeds for any of the publications that are sold will be set aside to actually um, provide uh, micro grants to these same educators. So that's the whole philanthropic piece is that we want to give back to these same educators in a meaningful way by establishing a fund that they control and they distribute. Gotcha. Yeah. I love that, that vision for a uplift publication as well. Cool. Well, I asked all my guests and you've been wonderful, Jonathan, uh, same two questions to close out every conversation. First one is, what message would you put on all school marquees across the globe if you could do so for just a day? 
for a day. Uh, that would be I can, we can, you can, even if you feel you can't. That would be my message. Powerful. And you're building a school from the ground up. You're not limited by any resources. Your only limitation is your imagination. How would you build your dream school and what would be your top three priorities? So my top three priorities really revolve around establishing systems. And the first system would be a system that would allow me to recruit black educators from historical black colleges um, and universities from around the country. And then also having a system in place for mentoring. And the mentoring would have two components. One would be a mentoring component that was uh, for students and teachers. And one would be for teacher to teacher, pairing them up to helping them to grow uh, for students. And teacher component would be looking at not only their academics, but also their life in general and looking outside of just the school wall um, and helping them to prepare them for life. For the teachers would be, how can I better be, how can, how can I become a better educator? And also, what are my aspirations as an educator? So that would be the focus of the mentoring. Um, the third piece um, and the underlying piece, I would say, is really creating a, not just a system, but a culture that really focuses around culture. Um, we talk, there's a lot of talk right now about within school districts about culturally responsive teaching. Well, what is that? I want, I would want to have a building that everything we do would be, would, would, would revolve around that. Who am I as an individual? Who are my teachers as individuals? What is their background? What is their cultural identity? How do they self-identify? And then sharing that with the students that we work with and also helping students to uncover who they're, who they are as individuals and what's their cultural identity and uplifting that. So recognizing our history and also really focusing on how can we actually practically work on checking our own biases? How can we actually do this on a day-to-day basis in an individual basis as an educator and as students? How can we really learn? How do we think? How do we process? And how do we check our own thinking? Um, So those will be the three pieces that I would really want to focus in on. Jonathan, thank you so much for being a part of the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast. Of all the things we talked about today, what's the one thing you want a ruckus maker to remember? You can. You can. Thanks for listening to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, Ruckus Maker. If you have a question or would like to connect, my email, daniel at betterleadersbetterschools.com or hit me up on Twitter at Alien Earbud. If the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is helping you grow as a school leader, then please help us serve more ruckus makers like you. You can subscribe, leave an honest rating and review, or share on social media with your biggest takeaway from the episode. Extra credit for tagging me on Twitter at Alien Earbud and using the hashtag BLBS. Level up your leadership at betterleadersbetterschools.com and talk to you next time. Until then, class dismissed. Mm-hmm.